0: Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Solomon, who uh, he asked God for wisdom and God granted him that wisdom. And he used that wisdom to search in a whole lot of areas that were pretty much a waste of time. Matter of fact, he wrote a book later about that, Ecclesiastes. And I think we'll probably be studying Ecclesiastes next. But he made a study in that. And in that, after a lifetime of doing all that, he wrote this. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Get happy about it. You're a young man. You've got plenty of things ahead of you. Get happy about it. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. And then he gave this word of caution. But know that for all these, God will bring you into a judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are a vanity. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Can I just say this to young men and women who are here? This is good counsel. He's telling you, go do what you think you want to do, man. You you got the whole world before you. Do it all. But know this, there is a judgment coming. You are held accountable for it. And I want you to know this as one who's a little bit older. If you think that while you're young... When you get older, you're just going to change your mind. Can I tell you this? Changing your mind when you're older is not as easy as that sounds. You get sought in your ways, as my grandma said. You get so used to thinking the way you think, it's hard for you to think any other way. And you may get so used to doing things the way that you've been doing them that you don't get to turn around. And I'm going to tell you, sadly, friend, you won't there'll be a great chance that you won't come to that place again where you'll decide, I'm going to be different now. I pray that you will. But the wisest thing to do is right now, while you're making decisions, before you decide that everything around you is just boring and you're going to do something that's fun and exciting, you're going to do what You can do it. You can do it. And you may get by with it for a long time. But there will be a day. Where you will be held accountable for it. As because of that, we want to have the message we're going to have today. When Jesus comes, when Jesus comes, we've been trying to tell you that when Jesus comes, there are things that are going to take place, things that we know have to take place, because when he comes, he's coming to claim his world. He's coming to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming to rule on the earth. He is now transforming. He's renewing the whole thing. It's all going to be different, and he's going to have a people on it who are going to be different, but he's going to take care of everything that has been wrong with it before then. He is going to have a judgment that is going to cover people from, if I can just map out a timeline here, from the time of creation all the way through past our time, kids, all the way up to the day of his return all the people who've lived in between there are going to face a judgment. And all I'd like to do with is to share with you what's his standard of judgment. How is it that God is going to judge? He's got groups of people he's going to judge a little bit differently. He's got groups of people like, like, for instance, the people who survived the tribulation, what he called the goats and the sheep. Friends, How many opportunities do you suppose they had to go to church and enjoy sweet fellowship with somebody during then? Not during that last half of the tribulation, surviving was a great big deal. Just being able to hold your head up and survive. And in the middle of that surviving, when they didn't have the mark of the beast, when they didn't have any way to show and buy and sell, they were taking care of themselves and Jewish refugees that were running away. That becomes the standard by which God judged them. It became that. How did you take care of my brothers and sisters? Because as you took care of them, you were taking care of me. So they're expressing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're getting to do it judged on what they did to the people who were fleeing the, the, the anger of the wicked one. That's one group of people. We're going to read about a group of people that is, covers all those people who were in the body, that, that, into this uh, group of people that had trusted God, the Jewish people who were in a covenant relationship with him, and all others who attached themselves to it. He's got a judgment for them, too. We'll read about that one in just a moment. He's got a judgment for the church. He's taken the church out of the world. He's going to judge the, the church. There are some different things in it, but the standard's still the same. What he's going to judge has to do with how you're going to live. All that has to do with what you will live and rule and reign with him. So he's got judgments for people who survived the tribulation. He's got people who had lived all that period of time. He's got a judgment for the church. Kids, as we look at those judgments, I'd like you to know what's the standard whereby God is going to judge you. Fair enough? Because a lot of times when people hear how easy it is to be a believer in Christ, well, all you have to do is just believe, and you're in. I want you to understand that's true. That's how you get into the body of Christ. But if you thought that he had no other plan for you after you got justified, you were sadly mistaken. And on that time, when you come to that judgment seat of Christ, or as Israel is going to, you come to the judgment seat that he is, he's going to give to them. When you come to that one, no point in being surprised, kids. You might as well know what was the standard he was judging you on. So that today, if you need to make an adjustment, an adjustment, be a great day to do it. I, don't you just appreciate so much December 11th? Because December 11, 2022, was the day you got to turn around and do something different. You got to realize, oh, I am going to be judged, huh? But 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 I thought Jesus took all my condemnation. He did, he did. But in taking your condemnation, do you remember this, brothers and sisters, that He took that old you and nailed it to the cross? You didn't cease to exist, my friend. No, 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 no. Instead, he gave birth to a new you. It's called being born again. And that new you that comes into this world is the person that's going to rule and reign with him in the coming day. And he put that new birth in you, and he gave to you the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He gave to you fellowship with other believers in Christ. He gave you a purpose and something to do. You have plenty to do, brothers and sisters. He gave all that to us. And may I say to you, then he empowered you with his spirit, authorized you by his own authority to represent him on this earth and said, now go do the work I called you for. And it's that he's going to judge us for. How did you do with what I gave you? I gave you gifts. I gave you a job. You knew what to do. How did you do? Everybody, everybody follow where I'm at? So I'd like to know what that standard is, wouldn't you? I want to know what that standard is, because whatever he's holding has a standard there. Now I want to do my outline a little different today. So here's, here's what I want to do. I want to do the last part first. Now you say, why? Well, There's there's a couple of reasons. One, because I always talk too much up front, and I never get to finish the last. So today, I'm going to finish the last, okay? Because this is very sobering. I want to give you this last part, because God bless your heart. If you're not in the household of God, there is a judgment standard for you too. And... You say, well, are you going to try to scare us? Friend, if I could scare you into heaven, I'd do it. <laughs> because it is fearful. Here's what the Scriptures say. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why? Our God is consuming fire. You, you might as well know this. So turn to letter C on the back page, on the second page, if you would, and let's get this because there is another judgment. All those not in the household of God perish eternally. Now, we're going to read more about this as we we come into this and, and going further into chapter 20, but I want you to get at this for right now. There is a great white throne judgment that's coming. And that judgment has been set aside for all those who did receive the mark of Jesus Christ or who through all of this period of time of history decided they didn't need God. They didn't want God. They had their own gods. They do their own thing. They do their own whatever. There is a judgment for them. And here's the judgment standard he's offering for them. Here's the deal. And their life on earth, they made the clear decision they wanted to run their own life. They wanted to be left alone with no contact with God, to do things their own way. It sounded so brave. It sounded so independent. It sounded so courageous and so smart because, after all, only stupid people become Christians. Only stupid people go for a religion or whatever like that. We wouldn't do that. We're smarter than that. We're braver than that. We're going to do it our way. We don't want anything to do with God. And they lived their life that way. And can I say, they reaped the reward for living their life that way. Some of them were very, very successful. Some of them had lots of houses, lots of everything, everything that they wanted. And it looked like, as David said in Psalm 73 and Psalm 49, I almost quit because I thought, "What's what's the point of being righteous? The the wicked, they do things totally wrong all the time, and they name houses after themselves. They have more land than anybody else. They prosper and they do well. He said, then I went in and I looked at the altar, and I realized the same thing comes to all of us. You can't take it with you. You're going to die. And when you die, it won't make any difference what land you had, Make any difference how much fortune you had, you're going to give it all up anyway. And as Solomon to write in Ecclesiastes, besides that, a fool will inherit it and spend every dime you had on some stupid idea. Didn't want God. Wanted to be left alone. I can do my own life better than some following some preacher. I hope you don't follow any preacher. I hope you're following Christ. He said this. the second in our outline, "As with all people, God gave them ample opportunity to see the reality of God and turn to Him. And they rejected that. They looked up, they could see the heavens. they could see the stars. They knew that all things are working in processes and systems that don't just evolve into processes and systems. They could look around and recognize, man, everything moves in a certain pattern all the time. It's such a good pattern, we can even predict where the sun's going to come up, what time it's going to come up. We know what what constellations are going to be in the sky when. It is so organized, we can know this, that if you mess up the processes of your own body, you get sick. And if you get the processes right again, you get, well... All the systems operate so smoothly, it had to have a designer, if you don't know any more than that. You ought to at least come away from the imposed ignorance and say, "Yes, I do see that something did design this." I do understand something intelligent had to bring that up. I get it. He gave you ample opportunity. He shared it with you every day. You saw it. You saw him show you mercy. You saw him feed you. You saw him take care of you. And instead of you being grateful for that, you looked around and said, yeah, but what about those that are starving over there? Yeah, what about, what about, what about, what about? And you used every possible excuse you could to get away from actually having to face your God. Number three. They are judged at the great white throne after the millennium. So if you would, don't you just turn with me just a minute to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. That's pretty powerful. And there was found no place for them. And, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Now get the picture. Two books, two sets of books here. One is called the book of life. If your name's written in the book of life, this is not your judgment. You, you were judged much earlier. If your name's not written in this book of life, then the other books are open what books you say the books of the deeds of your life the chronicles of the life of whoever they open it up wow and it starts when the day you were born and it records every vain word that you said every activity that you did everything that you said i don't need god i don't want god and you had your own way you did things off that's recorded all right here They say, well, Christians do the same thing. Yes, they do. Can I share with you what happened to the Christians? Theirs was met and paid for by the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the difference, friend. You see, those weaklings, those stupid ones you thought about, they realized that Jesus was paying the price of all their deeds, all of them, and was suffering the separation from his own father, Was suffering the death that should have been ours himself to pay for all that disobedience. You rejected that. So, friend, here you stand alone, just like you wanted to be, just like you asked. And now, without a word of defense. You have to face him reading what that said. And all that can be said back to you is guilty as charged. You follow where I'm at? You see, for that Christian, they had that same problem, friend. But in the marvelous grace and love of God... They fell on the mercy of God, cried out to him, and God wiped that away from them. You say, that's not fair. Friend, that's why you're in the trouble you're in today. You still think you've got a right to judge that. You don't. You never had a right to judge the things you did and the conclusions you reached. That was never your right. You never were God. You never created yourself. You never created the world. You didn't do any of it. So at this great white throne, it says this. In verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who are in it. Now, the kids, that's the sea is talking about all those people who drowned, who drowned apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, where their bodies are in that sea. Okay, so now all the bodies that were there before, they're coming out of the sea. We're about to see the second resurrection. Everybody follow me on that? So bodies are coming out. The souls of those people have just been judged, and that's all coming back together again. That's a resurrection. When the spirit of the people who passed away, who didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, is met with the bodies that they had before, that's a resurrection. And that's the bodies they're going to live in, in that grand judgment that's about to take place. I want you to go further with me and see this. I hope, well, number four. The judgment of the great white throne judgment is to to, to be given for eternity what one sought in life on earth. To be left alone with no God forever plus the eternal punishment of stealing from God that which was his. Here's what I mean, friend. Because you didn't want to be identified with that silly bunch that was trusting Jesus Christ because you didn't want to be a part of that, now you're getting what you asked for. You have no defender. Ever. While you're in this life, You still have an opportunity to say, I get it. I have really messed up. Jesus, have mercy on me, and he will. But then, in all the pain, in all the loneliness, in all the misery that you're going to be experiencing, because you will be very alone, there will be no one to talk to. For all of you who had that stupid joke that, you know, I'm just going to be down there and party with all my buddies, sorry, nobody's partying there. There is no party in that suffering. And all you can hear are the cries of everybody else who's terribly, terribly alone and know that you can't have one word with them either. This is the worst solitary confinement you could ever hope to have. And because you chose to steal God's glory and have it for yourself all the time and to live the way you wanted to live and have your own comfort now, you are now without all of that. You had all of that in the life you chose. You had your comfort, you had what you wanted. And now, friend, you have what you wanted for all the rest of eternity. And there's not a way to get out of it. So when you're wondering, why does that Christian keep annoying me? I told him I don't want to hear that Jesus stuff anymore. I will tell you why. It's because that Christian friend of yours, he knows the terror of the Lord. He knows what that's about. He knows where, where eternity is for you, friend. He cares enough for you to say, don't go there. It's dumb. Don't do it. It's disastrous. You'll never get out of there, man. That's why he's foolish enough to keep on talking to you about it. That's why he doesn't want that for you. I hope you don't want that for you. I hope today you you look it over, and if you haven't already, that you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ right now. Matter of fact, before you hear anything else, just stop where you are. Pray and say, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on me. I see who you are now. I understand what you did, and I want that for myself. Please have mercy on me. I know his grace and kindness good enough to know that he will. All right. well, let's go on further now, because now I want you to go to the, Front page again. Make sure I... <clears throat> so on the front page, let's go over this. Rewards for faithfulness and service, many parables on accountability. Here's what we'll say. Jesus, there is an accountability. Works by coveted people are examined and rewarded by the Lord. That's Matthew 25. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew 25, 14 to 30, that's the passage we're actually looking at. First of all, let's let's just read some of that. Matthew 25:14 says, "For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them." So before he makes this trip, he knows he's going to make a trip. He's going to stop and give his servants some some gifts, some things to take care of, some things to do while he's gone. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Remember, And before he left, he said, you wait here. I have some gifts I'm giving you. And 10 days later, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. 10 days later, he was giving us our working papers, our working orders, and the power to get them all done. That's what he did for us. So this is where it is here. He goes on to say, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Who knew about their ability? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who created you in the womb of your mother? The Lord Jesus Christ. How does he know what your abilities are? Because He's the one that brought you into this world. So He gave you kids. So look around here and say, Man, I was given gifts by God. I was supposed to use these gifts by God that God gave to me. I'm I'm a talented person. I'm a gifted person. You were because God gave them to you. Let me go on further with you. And immediately went on a journey. So now he leaves. So is Jesus with us now? No, he's gone. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five talents, and likewise who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He came back. And what did he come back for? Accountability. So if you're you're missing this believer, get it. Here, Here it is today. You were not just saved so you could go to heaven and have a good time. You were saved so that God would carry on the work of the kingdom of God here and now that people might know that he is the Lord. You follow where I'm at? That's how we are the witness for him. Not a witness. We are the witness. We're the ones showing what the kingdom is going to be like. And he's going to come back with accountability on that. Let me go further. He says, So he received five talents, came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also said to the received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, Listen to this. Same words that he said to the first guy. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So let's just look at some basic things, first of all. These are um, they're only given to his servants. He's calling his servants together. It's only given to his servants. Secondly, this is not the church we're talking about. That, that was already taken care of another time. The same principles are in operation here, but this is not about the church. This is about all those people who are in a covenant relationship with him from Abraham up to the last one, whoever that was. All right? <clears throat> Number three, from the beginning, the standard has been faith followed by stewardship with what one was given. Faith followed by stewardship with what one was given. That's always been the standard. You're saved by grace through faith. You receive uh, the, gifts, the gifts of God when you have been saved by faith. All right, everybody with me? All right, let's go further then, because I want you to look now at the little supplement that I gave to you. Little. <clears throat> it's type of faith and their outcome. Types of faith and their outcome. I'm I'm going to just share with you the, the first couple of paragraphs, so bear with me as I read through. Faith, trust, faithfulness, truth, those are all along the same lines, is the operating principle of the universe. That's the one he's done from the beginning. When he created this whole thing, because he is trust, because he is truth, because he is love, God made that the operating principle for the whole universe. All things are based on trust, exemplified by the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit trust each other completely and are submitted to one another in complete, unquestioning trust in one another. The Father always can trust the Son to do what he said he would do. The Son can always trust the Father to do what he said he could do. The Father, and the Son, can trust the Spirit to do what he said he would do. The Spirit trusts the Father and the Son to do what they said they would do. Everybody follow me? That's their relationship. That's a trust relationship. All relationships are, uh, <clears throat> and shared work are based on our level of trust in one another. Our relationship with God is based on faith and trust. Justification with God is based on trust, not works or deeds that we do. So when God is judging, it's because you are in a relationship with him. Everybody follow where at? When you're not in a relationship, he still judges your works. If you're in a relationship with it, he's going to judge your works. But it's the relationship that he's looking at here. Justification with God is based on trust, not works or deeds we do. That is how important faith is in God's economy. Works or deeds for which we are judged are determined by one's faith in God and in his Christ. Yet just as sin has perverted all of the traits and characteristics of our lives, so too our faith has been tainted by our pride, our fear, our desire to control, deceitfulness, ambition, etc. That all will taint your faith. All right, make it further. Here are examples of limited faith or perverted faith that can work well as a starter, but will be inadequate to become a finisher to justify one before God as it is temporary and always moved about by forgetfulness, neglect, busyness, return to comfort, or the snatching away of the delivery by an adversary. Here's what I mean. The things I'm going to describe for you here are things that are temporary. Temporary. They only work at that moment, but they're starters. If you're in a disastrous situation and you cry out to God, he delivers you from it, that is a starter faith, not a finisher. That won't justify you. It starts you on the path of faith and trust. Everybody follow where we're coming from? That's what I mean by a starter. He's starting you right there, kids. Now you can trust him. Will you trust him for the next situation? You see, that's why he did not destroy Israel before the 40 years were up. You see, he kept giving them opportunity after opportunity. Here's a new situation. Can you handle that one? Here's a new situation. Will you trust me for that one? Here's a new situation. Will you trust me for that one? And they couldn't extend their trust beyond a single situation. They trusted him for that situation. It was temporary and ended. Instead of extending it now, since God just took care of us here, I'm confident God's got water for us. Since God took care of us here, I'm confident that he's going to deliver us from the enemies who are all around us. Since God took care of us, taking care of our enemies around us, I'm confident he can get us into the promised land. You follow where I'm at? But instead, they didn't extend it. They only went for that one situation. It was a starter, but not a finisher. It could only be a finisher if you carried on to the next situation, all right? So, what I've done for you, I've written a whole bunch of things there that I'm going to give you opportunity to read. I said, these people never have anything to do on Sunday afternoon. What if I said to them, why don't you read this, this Sunday afternoon? So situational faith, rescue faith. That's the faith of a particular situation that got you through. Fire insurance faith. That's where you hear the bad news about hell and you say, I don't want to go there. So you have temporary faith. That's just a hell faith, you know, just a fire insurance faith. There is conflicted faith. That's the one that you would find in uh, Matthew thirteen twenty-two, 22, one we read earlier this morning, where you just can't figure out whether you want to trust Jesus or you don't want to trust Jesus. The um, previous faith, the fire insurance faith, had been that of 13, 20, and 21, where the, the well, I'll let you read it. Social faith, that's, that's one I think is critical for us today. Being born into a family of faith, and he assumes he has all its benefits since his parents meaning to go to all of the church's pertinent activities. He did all the qualifications for basic entrance as his family and friends expected. If the family and friends expected him to say, have you trusted Jesus? Yes, I've trusted Jesus. Jesus the Christ? Yeah, Jesus the Christ. But he does not enjoy the meetings, the songs, the phony lives, the boring teachings, nothing exciting happening, and he's not happy about Jesus coming if it means that his future of good times will be cut short. He is bored with church because the church is so amateurish but acts like it is really with it. He has watched all his life the superficiality of most of the church members. He and his buddies scoff at the traditions of the church, its legalism. He laughs about the things he got by with when no one was looking as if he proved that holiness really just means being real. He has no faith. It died with his desire to be entertained outside the church. If he's in youth group, the only thing that can keep his attention is being fed, entertained, or coddled. He feels entitled to go to heaven if there is one, since he's in the right group. But he does not like being asked about it. He expects that if people want him to stay in church, they'll have to find ways to keep his attention. If they don't, he counts that as permission to set his own agenda and disrespect whatever else may be going on. Frankly, he can't wait to get away from church. He has never met its owner. If he has been in church for years, he feels entitled to be the, the, the privilege of recognition for being there so long. His memory is great for the good times he had and the good folks who were there when he was growing up, even though he disrespected them when he was growing up. He actually believes he would go to heaven if there was one, even though he shows no evidence of faith anywhere. He's just as good as the rest of the group anyway. His group exceptionalism has deceived him, and as Jesus said, his kingdom is going to be given to others, and he will be outside it. He really couldn't care if there is a heaven. Who example is that? That's the Sadducees. First Corinthians 10, 1 to 13. Matthew 8, 10 to 13. When all the Pharisees thought that because they were Pharisees, because they were in the right group, they were naturally going to go into the kingdom. And Jesus said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, and I'm going to give it to other another nation who will do what I want. Okay. There's iniquitous faith. And you find that in Matthew 7. There's self-righteous faith. I think I've got something for that one too, yeah. Matthew 23, 1 to 39. There's intellectual assent. There's the one I call, he did it all for me, faith. That's uh, the health, wealth, prosperity, all that mess. The faith lets everyone who practices it be wealthy, uh, powerful, and the head, not the tail, and all those sort of things. I'll let you read about that. Then I have one I call blended faith. Uh, This is not true faith at all. This is apostasy, but it's often found within the church. And that blended faith is scientism that uh, you have plenty of believers in Christ who just don't think that Jesus actually created all of it. It wasn't created, it evolved. There's indigenous naturism. That's where the, the indigenous peoples are starting to make inroads right now that uh, let's go back to nature, love Mother Earth, all that sort of thing. There's neo-paganism that's alive today that I find come sometimes into the church and being accepted by the church as a way of doing things. There's postmodern existentialist nihilism. Phew. I said that myself is that that's man that's that's pretty cool the only faith that counts for eternity then i give you the faith that does count friends the faith that god grants to us the faith that god gives us to believe in jesus to have confidence in god that whole time it, it's not just a profession faith it's a faith that extends all the way to the end of your life you're going to keep believing in the lord jesus christ even if your friends dump it and they go away Even if somebody comes up and says, but science says, can I just share this with you? Science can't say anything, kids. Science is in flux. I am grateful for science. I love science. But it can't make pronouncements of truth. It can only tell you what's true today. Because the next experiment might show you that what was true today is not true this day. And it's going to keep being in flux. So quit bowing to the shrine of scientism. That's nutty. Why give your life up? You're gaining nothing from it. Be a scientist, but be a good one. Don't just, never mind. I almost felt like preaching for a minute. All right, let's go on. And I know even as I say that, somebody's going to say, yeah, you're anti-intellectual, you're anti-science. No, I'm not. I believe in the intellect, but I know that the intellect is just as tainted as everything else. I know that that, that intellect can be just bothered by my own selfishness. It can be bothered by my own unbelief and all kinds of things, and I, I won't let you be using my intellect the proper way. It's not intellectual to discount whole big volumes of information. When you discount the Word of God as having any legitimacy into the whole world of knowledge, you just eliminate from yourself a whole lot of opportunity to know more than you can possibly know. Let's go back to our notes, shall we? The judgment you're going to experience, friends, is not in comparison with others. You're not being compared. I'm, I'm not being compared to Billy Graham. I'm not being compared to John MacArthur. I have been given gifts that I am responsible for. How did I use my gifts? And I'm not judged in comparison to anybody else. I'm judged by how I did mine. And the same thing's true for you. You were given gifts that God intended for you to use, and you're judged for how you use them not whether somebody else used them more than you did or whatever. It is, did you do anything? Did you get off your backside and get with the program and realize you're not here just to glide your way into heaven? All the, the pathway of all the saints and their blood and all the things they have left behind, do you think that's so you could ease your way into glory? It wasn't, friend. You say, well, why are you upset? Well, you're acting like you're upset. I'm not upset at all. I want to tell you this. When it comes to finding men who will serve, I'm embarrassed. You hear that, guys? I'm embarrassed because you say, no. No, I, I couldn't. No. Why are you saying no? What is the matter with you? Don't say no, say where, when, how often you're being judged for this guys you were given talents and they're to be used within the body of christ and when you're saying no i won't you just dug a hole and put it in it stop that you have been given gifts by god for a purpose for a reason stop feeling sorry for yourself stop going in your own selfish little way and get with the program is that preachy Oh boy, boy, Here Here's the way Jesus judges. Work that's done, if you were faithful in little. He's not asking. He's saying, can you take what I gave you and reproduce it? Can you take what I gave you and use it? Because if you can, here's what I'm going to say. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. I got a place for you. But if you took that thing and you buried it, you said, I'd love to. When I'm not busy, I will. But right now, I'm pursuing. I'm gaining. I'm going to be somebody. No, you won't. Do you know how, somebodies, how many somebody's have already been? And nobody remembers. He says this You've been faithful in little, I'll make you a ruler in much. That's God's judgment. Now, let me go with this. foolish stewardship, letter B. Foolish stewardship or wicked stewardship was proof of no continuing faith in the master or actually distrust of the Lord. There was no motivation to work, therefore a false servant and not part of the master's eternal household. Let's see if we can look at this. <clears throat> Verse 24 of Matthew 25. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown. Ouch. Is that, is that bragging on him, do you think? Not at all. He said, here's what I know. You expect something when you didn't do it. You want somebody else to do your work for you. Ain't working with me, pal. You want your thing to reproduce? Here it is. I buried it for you so you can have it back. Has that got a lot of trust in that person? Do you think he respects his master? No. No. He does not. Go on further with me. I know that you uh, reap where you have not sown You're gathering, where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here, there you have what is yours. There's your talent back again. See, I didn't waste it. I kept it for you so you can have it now. Do what you want to. You can make anything out of you want. That man's not a part of the eternal household. Listen to what he said. But his lord answered and said to him, "You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown." Is that a true statement? Yeah, he does do that. Does he God expect you to do something? Yes. Will he assist you? Yes. But he's expecting you to do it. All right, let me go further. He says, "And gather where I have not scattered seed." So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not a man of faith that's continuing faith. He pitched him out. He's not in the kingdom just at a low low level. He's not in the kingdom at all. Everybody see where I'm at? He's gone, done. And all because he made a choice, a conscious choice to do something the wrong way. He assumed that being a part of the master's household, identified with the master's household, he was always just going li- to be living in the master's household. No, that's not true. You disrespected your master the one who gave you the opportunity, you threw it away. You won't be with him. Stop thinking that way. So if I can say, let's let's go on with number one under that. Mere identity through birth or position is not justification with God. And by mean by that, just accepting what others have said. or told just to be in the group, is not faith that justifies. Young men and women, older men and women, get this. Just because you are recognizing, what does this group need so I can be a part of it? And you say, you've got you to accept this, you got to accept that, you got to accept that. Okay, done, got it. That's not adequate for justifying you before God. It may get you into the same group, but friend, being in the group is not what's going to save you. Only personal faith in Christ will ever save you. That's all it's ever been. Everybody, see where I'm at? Only continuing justifying faith in what God has revealed puts one in a position to be rewarded for his work. Number two, under letter B. Only personal confidence in the character of God and corresponding love for him will put one in a place to be diligent in his stewardship. In other words, the other two guys knew what God is like or what the master was like, and they knew what the master expected. The master expected when he gave me five talents to make, make as many more as I could. The master expected me to use this, so I'm going to go use this. I respect that master. What else do they know about it? One, they knew that the master is the master you don't know that, you're in trouble. Number two, they know that this master is such a good master that he rewards those that diligently seek him. That's called Hebrews eleven six. 6. That's what the definition of faith is. You must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder. Then the diligently seek him. That's what they said. They knew, listen, when he comes back, I'm going to have something to give back to him because I know him. He is so generous and so good. Wait till you see what I got coming. I can't even imagine what he's got in mind for me. What does it mean to enter into his kingdom? What did he gain while he was gone? Wow, you suppose he got richer? If he got richer, our kingdom's even bigger than it was. Man, this is gonna be exciting. Number four, backside, second page. Judgment is reward for works done out of a personal relationship with God. Works do not put one in a relationship with God but is the evidence of one. It's That's the big difference, kids. Judgment is a reward for works done out of a personal relationship with God. Your work's coming out of a personal relationship with God. You're not putting yourself in one by doing some works. That's not the way this thing works. Got to be in the household first. In the household, he gives you gifts. In the household with the gifts given, he's expecting you to do something with them. And because you are in a relationship with him, you do do something with him. The one guy with the one talent wasn't in a relationship with him, made statements about him that were disrespectful and didn't do a thing. So, where there is no confidence in God's character, no work will be done, and therefore no reward given. Instead, one experiences eternal loss. In those cases, God gives no reward, for one already has it. Now, here's what I mean by that. This guy knew what the master was going to expect and didn't want to do it. It was his own time, so he would spend his own time doing what he wanted to do. So he did spend his own time doing what he wanted to do. He didn't work for the master. He worked for himself. He already has his reward. For what he worked for, that's what he got. Everybody follow me? You've already got your reward. So if you're looking to see God do something and you did something on your own, he won't because you've got your own reward now already. All right? As he goes on to say, then, or as I wrote a little further, he opted to have his reward only here and not for eternity. Now I'm going to put number seven on hold for just a minute, okay, because I've got some good news for you. If, you, if you. if it's been bad news up to this point, just hang in there. I would like for you now to take out your supplement again because we didn't go over everything in that supplement. I don't plan to go over everything uh, yet because there's still too much of it, all right? This is stuff I want you to be able to read and, and make observations with me. I'm on the page now that says observations about Jesus' judgment. You finished up the types of faith. It's observation about Jesus' judgment. I'm going to go over just some of these rather quickly. Accountability is a certainty, and no one escapes it. So I don't care no who you are here today, you're not going to get away from Accountability. You can run from the story if you want to. You can run from the lesson if you want to. You can run away from a preacher you think maybe half half nuts. That's okay. What you think about me is really unimportant. But this message is very important. That you see how he's judging you are going to be held accountable. That's not my word. That's the word of God. His judgment is based on how they use what he gives his servants to do the talents he gave them to do them with, and the authorization to represent him in their dealings with others. They are not working for themselves. They work for the master every day of their lives. I want you to get that. That's important for you to remember. Your work is for the master every day of your life. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you quit being your own boss. You took on a new boss, and you work for that new boss every day of the week. And he's going to go on further with you. He gives his servants a place to live with provision for them on his land. Well, you could easily say, but others have pretty nice houses and cars, and why why can't believers pursue that and also work for the master? You will get what you pursue. Everybody follow me? The, the disciples said to Jesus on one occasion, this is found in Matthew 19, 27 to 30, they said to him at one point, you know, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus said, no one's ever given up everything that won't be rewarded three times, multiple times more what you have to do sometime, brothers and sisters, when you're looking around and you're thinking that you don't have everything that your neighbor has, you don't have everything that Joneses have, you don't have, oh, God bless you, if your name is Jones, I didn't mean that that way. Just, but if, if you are thinking your way through that and you're thinking, oh, if, if I hadn't given up so much here, I could have had this, I could have had that, I could have had this, I could have had that, I want you to stop just a minute and say, I have no idea what my house is going to look like, but boy, is it going to be pretty. Jesus doesn't make junk. And when he says he's going to prepare a place for me, it's going to be a great place. And I'm looking forward to being in that place. I want to be with Jesus. Wait till you see what's coming. Back off, friend, of being all bent out of shape because you don't have as much as everybody else says. Praise the Lord What you have is something laid up for you. Stop worrying about that small stuff and get to the big stuff. How can I serve you today, Jesus? How can I serve you today? I hate to think how much time has been wasted by us picking up and trying to do things our own way and work for our own ends, work for our own objectives when it would have been easier and better if we'd worked for him. He would have given us the desires of our heart if we only set that as a way for him. He gives his servants the materials which work. You, you don't even have to dream up your own materials. He's got everything you need for you. What he gives his servants belongs to him, and it is theirs by stewardship. They do, not get to, they do get to enjoy the benefits of profit as they increase his worth. Do you suppose that as they're making the household richer there by their work and their benefit that they couldn't enjoy that? They did enjoy it, friends. The, 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 the manifold blessings that come from adding to the kingdom of God adding new new people on. Just think of the number of people that you didn't know you knew who came to know Jesus Christ, and now you know them, and what a rich thing that's been in your your relationships and fellowships. You've met some really wonderful people, people who are lifelong friends with you because somebody else invested some time or you invested some time, and they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's much more in all of this that I'd like for you to read. Like for you to get to know. I want to go back to number seven, point seven, <clears throat> under letter B. To do this, I like you to turn to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Great passage of scripture here, as if there was not one. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, verses five to nine. Listen to how he says this. Bond servants. Be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, and with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free, and you masters, do the same things to them, Give up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. Here's what I'm going to tell you. To know what it is you're supposed to do, get this. You have things that you do every day. Some of them are routine. Some of them seem like old habit. They're just habits that I do all the time. It's just change your boss. Change your boss. And you will take that thing you're doing as a mundane thing and it becomes of eternal value because you changed your master. Quit working for yourself to wash those dishes. Quit working for your family to wash those dishes or do that laundry or clean that house. Quit working for them. They don't appreciate it anyway. Sorry, if that's that's offensive, I take it all back, all right? I'm just going to tell you this, friend. You're going to say, I wash these clothes all the time. Seems like I'm all, always washing these. I just wash it Change your boss. Change your boss. Lord Jesus, look at this. My family's not naked. We got clothes. Yes, we have clothes. And look at this. They're active enough to get them dirty. Yes, they move. And then put them in that washer and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this servant. What a beautiful servant. Look at that. Never talks back. Always speaks right. Dumps stuff in there. They wash. They do all kinds of good work. I thank you, Jesus, for this servant. And to the glory of God, may this laundry be done. You understand what I'm saying? And if you think I'm being facetious, I'm not. That's the way I think. Read a book years ago called uh, Knowing the Presence of God my head written by Brother Lawrence. The guy was a cook in a monastery and loved it because he was washing pans for Jesus every day. He was washing pans for the glory of God. And everybody else would say, you have the worst job. Why are you so happy? He said, I don't do it for you. I do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, kids, you can change everything you're doing. You can change that trip down the road. You can change who you're working for, if you will. You can bring joy into your job and have eternal benefits that come through it because you did your job for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Change your master. You follow that? Don't, don't keep looking around to see, wonder what Jesus wants me to do as you wash a dish. Wonder what Jesus wants to do as you dig another line up to see if you can get the sewer it will finally work again. Thank you, Jesus. I got a sewer. Thank you, Jesus. I have a shovel. Thank you, Jesus. It's buried under the ground and not running out on the top of it. Hallelujah. You follow where I'm at? Get happy with Jesus. Make him your master, and you'll turn all that stuff that was just mundane junk into eternal value that he can look at you and say, I gave you a home. And you took care of that. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. You follow where I'm at? We're gonna be judged one day, kids. Just as sure as you're sitting there right now. And it's serious judgment. It's big deal. I want you to be thinking. We all need to be thinking. It's not, not just what I want. It's what, as I was reading through this, and I'm becoming convicted more and more about what happens when Jesus comes back. I thought, i got to share that with my brothers and sisters. I don't want to be surprised one day. <gasps> I didn't know you were judging on that. That too? Oh, didn't know about that. I don't want to have loss. I want to hear Jesus say to every single one of you, if I get to be there one day and say, that, that, that's, that's the church I was with right there. That's, yeah. Well done, good and faithful servant, and in the joy of your Lord. Boy, I want to hear that. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you for all that he is to us. We ask just now in Jesus' name, you'll open our hearts to understand who you are, what you are about, and the seriousness that you have given us. Thank you for having a work to do. And I give you praise for that just now. Father, let no one leave this place without a proper relationship to the Creator I ask in Jesus' name that you'll minister great grace the sake of Christ, amen. Please, friend, don't leave here today without knowing you're in a relationship with the living God. Please don't do that. That's, that's the biggest thing I can have any of you to do today. Make sure that if you have just understood the Lord Jesus Christ, call out to him. I know him, and the people who are here know him, and they will they will say to you, He will bring you into his family. Cry out to him. And for those of us who who have already done that, we have been empowered and given all kinds of gifts to take care of things. Let's not say no to anything. Let's go and see how much more can I do. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for what he's doing in each one of us. We ask your mercy to rest with us. We need you desperately. Thank you for what you're going to do in each one of us this week. Empower us this week to see those who are around us. Grant to us that we might be having open mouth, ready to speak your word, and be the ambassadors you've called us to be. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.